Chapter Eight of Thy Soul Shall Bear Witness by Selma Lagerlöf. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Lars Rolander. Chapter Eight. David Holm returns to prison. Two women were sitting engrossed in a conversation which had lasted many hours. It had been interrupted for a time in the afternoon when the pair had been engaged in holding divine service in the salvationists quarters but at its close the conversation had been resumed during the whole of the time one of the women had been trying very hard to infuse courage and confidence into the other but it appeared to have been labour in vain understand mrs holm said she who was trying to console and cheer the other that strange as it may sound i believe there is a better time in store for you i believe that david has now done his worst that was i take it something he had set himself to do in order to slake the vengeance he has threatened you with ever since you came to be reunited but mrs holm it is one thing for him to be cruel one day and say that his children are not to be taken away and another thing for him to cherish in his heart such a murderous thought and carry it out day after day i don't believe that anyone could persist in such a course captain you are very good to try to console me replied the wife though it was evident that she thought in her heart that if the salvationist captain did not know anyone capable of a thing like that she herself certainly knew one who was the captain looked as if she had now reached the limit of her power to convince but all of a sudden she determined to make a fresh effort you are to bear in mind one thing mrs holm i don't say that it was a great sin you committed when you ran away from your husband some years back but i regard it as a neglect of duty you left him to his own devices and it was not long either before the evil consequences became evident for years however you have tried to make reparation for it now you have acted as if it is god's will that we should act and i think that there must be a change for the better it was a big storm that was raised then and one not to be quelled in an instant but the work that you and sister edith began is one of the good sort and will bear the fruits of all good works when the captain was saying this she was no longer alone in the room with mrs holm for david himself and his friend george or more precisely put their spectres had found their way into the room while she was talking and had taken up their stand by the door david holm was no longer bound by hand and foot he followed the driver without coercion but when he observed where he had been carried a sudden resentment arose within him here surely no one was about to die why then compel him to see his wife and children again he was about to turn to george with an angry question when the latter made signs to him to keep quiet david holm's wife lifted up her head as if cheered by the other's strong conviction if after all one could believe that it was true she sighed it is true persisted the salvationist smiling at her 
tomorrow there will be a change you will see that help will come to you with the new year the new year repeated the wife yes it is new year's eve i had forgotten it altogether how late can it be captain anderson we are well into the new year already came the reply and she glanced at her watch it is a quarter to two then you must not sit any longer with me captain but go home to bed i am quite calm now you see the salvationist captain gave the woman a searching look there is something though that seems to me not altogether satisfactory about that calmness of yours you need have no apprehension about me captain replied the wife i know that i have said some hard things to-night but it is over now do you mean mrs holm that you can put everything into god's hands and trust to him to arrange everything for the best asked the captain yes the wife assured her i can i would willingly have stayed till the morning but i see that you think it better that i should go it has been so nice to have you here but david will soon be coming now so i ought to be by myself they both went out of the room after interchanging a few more words david holm knew that his wife was accompanying the salvationist captain to the door to open it for her david said the driver did you hear her you observe that human beings know all they need to know they have only to be strengthened in the desire to will to live long and well he had scarcely said this before the wife returned it was obvious that she meant to keep her promise and go to bed she sat on a chair and began unlacing a boot while she was doing this the house door slammed noisily the woman at once got up and listened is he coming she wondered surely it is david coming she rushed to the window and tried to look down to the dark yard she stood thus for a couple of minutes scrutinizing it intently when she returned to the chair her face had strangely altered it had become gray eyes lips all of her as if covered with ashes her movements were stiff and stumbling and a slight twitching passed over her lips i can't endure it she whispered i can't endure it yes i will trust in god she cried a few moments later standing in the middle of the room they tell me that i must trust in god they think that perhaps i have not prayed to him and called on him what shall i do how shall i contrive to get any help from him she was not weeping but her speech was a prolonged moan she was under the sway of a despair so great that she was evidently not responsible for her actions david holm leant forward eyed her sharply and started at a sudden thought the wife did not walk but stumbled towards the bed in the corner where her two children were lying asleep it's a pity she murmured bending over them that they are so pretty she knelt on the floor beside them gazing for a while first on one and then on the other but i must get away she said and i can't leave them behind me she stroked their heads awkwardly and as if unused to it 
you must not be angry with me for what i am doing she continued for it is not my fault while she was kneeling on the floor caressing the children the outer door banged again the woman jumped up again and was obviously nervous till she realized that it was not her husband who had come in i must make haste she said to the children in a weird whisper it shall be done quickly provided david does not come and prevent me however she did nothing at the moment except pace up and down the room there is something that tells me to wait till the morning she murmured half aloud but what good will that be to-morrow will be a day like all the rest why should he be kinder to-morrow than to-day david holm was thinking about that corpse which was lying in the shrubbery and which would soon be buried in the earth as useless for anything else he was longing for his wife to know in some way that she need no longer be afraid of him again a slight noise was heard it was a door in the house being opened and shut and again the wife trembled as she remembered the purpose she had in mind she slipped to the stove and began putting in some wood so as to kindle a fire it does not matter if he does come and sees me making a fire she said aloud in reply to some silent objection i may i suppose boil some coffee on new year's morning so as to have something to keep me awake while waiting up for him david holm felt a great relief when she said this again he began to wonder what purpose george had in mind when bringing him here nobody was about to die nobody was ill the driver stood motionless with his cowl drawn down and so preoccupied was he that it would not do to question him he wants me to see my wife and family for the last time david decided i shall never be in their presence again that does not make me a whit unhappy he continued a moment later thinking that he had no room in his heart save for one but he went to the corner where the two children were lying while standing there he began to think about the little boy whom his brother loved so much that for his sake he even returned to prison of his own accord he felt with a sense of inferiority that he did not love his children like that may it in any case go well for them in this world he thought with sudden tenderness they will rejoice to-morrow when they hear that they need not be afraid of their father any longer i wonder what sort of creatures they will turn out when they are grown up he wondered with a more lively interest than he had ever before displayed over them and he felt at the same time a sudden fear lest they should be such as he himself i've been an exceedingly unhappy man i don't understand why i did not trouble myself about them before if there is any return for me i will come back and make real men of these two he paused and examined the state of his heart it is curious that i no longer feel any hatred towards my wife he murmured i should like her to be happy after all that she has suffered were it possible i would get back all that furniture for her and i should like to see her go to church on sundays 
in nice clothes but she will of course get all that and more now that i am out of her path i believe that george has brought me here so that i may be glad to be among the dead at that moment he gave a sudden start he had been so engrossed in his thoughts as to pay no attention to what his wife was about now however he uttered a cry of anguish it's boiling the water's boiling it will soon be ready it must be done at once for there is no time to lose the woman took down a pot that was standing on a shelf close to the stove and poured from it some ground coffee into the vessel this done she took from her bosom a little packet containing a white powder which she also put in the water david holm stood staring at her without daring to put into thought the meaning of what she was doing you shall see david that this will do it she said aloud turning towards the room just as if she saw him that will suffice for both children and myself i can't stand any longer seeing the children pining away if you only stop out another hour or so everything will be done as you wanted by the time you return now the man could not remain any longer listening quietly he hurried to the driver george he cried oh good god don't you understand what is going on yes david i do replied the driver i am standing here i am obliged to be present i can't evade my duty but surely george you don't understand it's not only my wife but also the children she means to take them with her yes david the driver admitted she means to take your children with her but that must not be it is unnecessary you know can't you make her realize that it is unnecessary i cannot make myself heard by her she is too far away but can't you summon someone here george someone who will tell her that it is no longer necessary you are asking absurdities david what power have i over the living david holm refused to be deterred from his purpose he threw himself on his knees before the driver remember that you were once my friend and companion and do not suffer this thing to be done let not this befall me do not suffer the poor innocent children to die he looked up at george for an answer but the latter only shook his head in refusal i will do all in my power for you george i refused when you told me to take your place as driver but i gladly accept that service provided that i escape going through this awful trial they are so tiny both of them and just now i was wishing that i could have lived to make good men of them and she she is insane to-night she does not know what she is doing have pity on her george when the driver remained motionless he turned a little aside from him i'm so lonely so lonely he cried i do not know where to turn i do not even know whether to pray to god or to christ i'm a newcomer in this world who is it that has the power 
Who can tell me to whom I can betake myself in prayer? Oh, I, a poor sinful man, pray to him who is Lord of life and of death. I am not fit to stand forth and pray. I have in good sooth wrought against all thy laws and ordinances, but suffer me to go into the utmost darkness. Let nothing remain of me. Do what thou wilt with me, so that these three innocents be spared. David held his peace and listened for an answer, but all he heard was his wife talking to herself. Now that this is melted and boiled, it will only have to stand and cool for a few moments. Then George bent down to his companion, his cowl thrown back, and his face brightened with a smile. David, he said, if you are really in earnest, there is perhaps still a means of saving them. You yourself must let your wife know that she need not be afraid of you. But I cannot make myself heard by her. Can I, George? No, not as you are. You must return to the David Holm who is lying in the shrubbery. Can you do that? David shuddered with fright. Human life seemed to him something suffocating and deadly. Would not the soul's fresh development stop if he became a mortal once more? All his happiness was awaiting him in another world. Nevertheless, he did not hesitate a second. If I can, if I am free, I thought that I should have to. Yes, you are right, replied George, and his countenance gleamed with still greater beauty. You must be death's driver for the whole of this year, unless another undertakes to perform the office in your stead. Another? exclaimed David Holm. Who would sacrifice himself for a wretch like me? David, there is a man who has never ceased to bewail that he seduced you from the path of virtue. Perhaps that man would perform your office gladly, because he need never again have to grieve for you. Without giving David time to understand fully the purport of his words, he bent over him, gazing with radiant eyes on his face. Old friend David Holm, do the best you can. I shall remain here till you return. You have not a long time left. But you, George? The driver checked him by that commanding gesture of the hand which he had learned to obey. In a flash he threw back his cowl and cried in a loud and ringing voice, Prisoner, return to your prison. End of chapter 8 Read by Lars Rolander